0: Frankie, come. Come on. Frankie, come. Good boy. Good boy. Sit. Good boy. Down. Down. Good boy. And stay. Stay. Good boy. How about you? Can you sit down and stay for the next half hour? This is Spotlight on Assistance Dogs. Hello there and Happy New Year. Welcome to the first edition of Spotlight on Assistance Dogs for 2020. I'm Devon from Canada. Let's get the show underway with the piano stylings of Bent Fabric as he plays a happy puppy. (music) Of talking about guide dogs here on spotlight on assistance dogs but if you've listened to the program before you will know that I really enjoy it when we get the rare opportunity to hear about or chat with somebody about other types of assistance dogs so when I heard that last summer guide dog users incorporated had a guest at their convention in rochester new york who talked about her psychiatric service dog i was very excited to get hold of her presentation and play it here for you
1: and i'm veronica morris and <laughs> With me, I have a little nine-pound Japanese chin psychiatric service dog. She is black and white. She has big googly eyes that kind of point in different directions. She has a smushed nose, a head that's shaped like a racquetball, and as the breed standard says, a look of perpetual astonishment. She is my third service dog and to start with, I will tell you a little bit about my history with service dogs. So um, when I was in um, graduate school getting my master's, um, I was having a lot of struggles with my bipolar disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, and agoraphobia, which is fear of leaving my house. And my therapist suggested that I volunteer at the local animal shelter. So I was like, well, that sounds like a good idea. And I started walking all the dogs at the animal shelter. Now, most of the dogs, when you would take them out for walks, they would chase squirrels and bark and pull on the leash and just basically be dogs. And um, this one dog came in and she was a Weimreiner Pitbull mix named Sabrina. She was a brindle color, but instead of being a black and brown brindle, she was a silver and champagne brindle. She was absolutely beautiful. And um, she had separation anxiety, which meant she destroyed the place while you were out. And, She would, when I took her out for walks, instead of pulling around and everything, she would sit on my feet, look up at my face, and just want to have loving. And it came time for her to be put down. And I didn't know anything about service dogs at that point. All I knew was that this dog was special. There was something about her that really helped me out with my disabilities. So I took a chance and adopted her. Um, within about six months, I noticed that she started naturally alerting to my mood swings and panic attacks, which gave me the time to take medication or call someone to come pick me up or um, you know do other breathing exercises or whatever I needed to do to not go into a full-blown panic attack or bipolar mood swing when I was in the middle of class. Um, and um, well actually at that point when I was in the middle of doing stuff around the apartment and I was on the medication merry-go-round as we like to call it where I was trying different medications and um, I uh, ended up severely ill with some of the medications and I talked with my therapist and I explained how much my dog helps me and she said, well you know there's something called a psychiatric service doc and I said, what's that? She told me about them, that a psychiatric service dog is a dog that helps someone with a psychiatric disability by doing worker tasks to help with their disability uh, and being well-behaved in public. And so I said, well, let's try that. And I was able to lower my medications and train my dog as a psychiatric service dog. Um... She was four years old when I started training her, so she didn't have a long working life. Um, and um, I, shortly after uh, she graduated, I started looking for my second service dog. Um, at the time, I wanted a, um, a dog that was a little bit larger, so I chose to go with a Silver Standard Poodle named Olivander. And um, he worked out very well for me. He um, started out naturally alerting to my panic attacks by barking, which was not very helpful. And so I had to retrain him, and I did that by using just redirection um, to nudge my hand when I was having a panic attack. My first service dog, Sabrina, she would sit in front of me and look up at me when I was having a panic attack or mood swing and not take her eyes off me. Unfortunately, Ollie was attacked several times, both by other pet dogs and by other service dogs, owner-trained and program-trained. Unfortunately, that happens when you're living in Berkeley, California, and you see about seven other service dogs a week. (laughs) And um, unfortunately, he developed a fear of other dogs and had to be retired early. Um, And that left me without a dog. And my agoraphobia went into... um, just overdrive. I could not leave the house. I couldn't do anything. I was unable to work. It was just horrible. Um, And so I uh, started looking for my third service dog. Now, what I noticed from Ollie um, was that when I was walking around, he was a very tall a poodle. He was 28 inches at the shoulder, and when I was walking around, I could reach down and touch his head with my hand. And that contact with him was um, able to what I call ground me, which is keep me present in space and time. And um, doing that really helped me out a lot. Um, just staying calm and knowing that I had a dog with me to help me. Um, so I knew I wanted a dog that was was able to give have contact with me while I was on the go. Um, I also really liked the fact that whenever I was sitting at a table, he would stand under the table. He loved to stand, he could sleep standing. And he would stand under the table and put his head in my lap and press his head down. And that pressure, we call it pressure therapy, was able to ground me as well. Um, So whenever I would start getting anxious, he would just put his head in my lap push his head down on my lap, and I was able to uh, stay calm and usually avoid a full-blown panic attack. So when it came time for me to um, choose a third service dog breed, I said, well, I want a dog that I can touch while I'm on the go, and that can give me pressure therapy in my lap. So I decided, well, either I have to go with another really big dog, or I could try a little dog. And I decided to give a little dog a try. Um, and I said, well, you know, if I don't like it, I can always train a new dog. Um, but I found out that I really, really like having a small service dog. I travel a lot, and they fit a lot better on the airplane (laughs) than the big dogs. Um, they cost less to feed, and she's able to, um, when I'm having, um, issues in a store or something like that, I can carry her, and she, um provides the tactile stimulation that I need. Um, and then also when we are um, sitting down somewhere, she's able to do what I call the lean, which means that she um, leans all of her body weight into my chest by pushing off onto my from my arms and, um, and, and really pushes that weight into me. And that has a really grounding effect on me and really helps out a lot in um, my uh, uh, panic attacks. So the the way that you'll notice that she um, helps me with my panic attacks is that she licks me intently. So you'll see her right now. She's kind of sleeping in my arms. Um, but if I, if I start to have a panic attack, she will um, start licking my arms or my hands very intently and, um, and sometimes crawl up on my chest if, I, if I'm not able to avert the panic attack by breathing exercises and um, regular pressure therapy in my lap. So I'd like to share a little bit about how I trained her to... to alert me to my anxiety attacks because I think that um, a lot of people suffer from anxiety. Even if it's not disabling, you can use your service dog, your guide dog, to help with your anxiety too. So this might be helpful for you as well as being educational. So what I would do is every time I would start to have a panic attack, I would call her over to me and give her some really, really yummy treats that were reserved only for panic attack time. (laughs) Pretty soon, she started sensing when I was going, having a panic attack, and she would come running over and say, Oh, come on, feed me those treats. It was, it was very fast. And from there, I originally wanted her to do a pause up on my leg to let me know when I was having anxiety. So I, I started trying to teach her. So when, she, when I would start to have a panic attack and she'd come running over, I would ask for a pause up and then give the treats. She decided on her own that um, she would do a pause up and then she would lick me intently. Um, and I, I could tell that she preferred the licking rather than the pause up so I said fine I'll let you lick even though I don't really like licking um So that is how I trained her and that's how I trained my first two service dogs. Um, I also wanted to share some things that other different types of service dogs might be able to do that are, some are similar to what your dogs do and some are quite different. So um, some of you might have heard of seizure alert dogs or diabetic alert dogs. And these dogs usually are alert to a seizure or a diabetic uh, blood sugar change based on the scent of the person. So in the case of a seizure alert dog, um, the person wears, uh, once they have a seizure, they take off the shirt that they're wearing, they put it in a plastic bag, and um, send it off to the school, or if they're owner training their dog, they keep it in the refrigerator or freezer and they use traditional scent training techniques to train the dog the difference between the smell of the shirt when there was a seizure happening and the smell of a shirt where there's no seizure. And for uh, diabetic dogs, alert dogs, um, instead of using a T-shirt, they use uh, cotton swabs that you chew in your mouth when you're having a high or a low blood sugar event, which the dogs can easily smell. Um, And again, it's the same training techniques. You might not be familiar with the fact that a lot of psychiatric service dogs are trained in something called forward momentum pull, um, which is um, if a person loses inertia and is unable to move their legs um, because due to anxiety or any other type of mental illness, um, the dog is trained just like a guide dog to give that that nice pull, and get the person moving along in a straight line. Um, And something that my first service dog, I trained her to do, um, was to lead me home when I would dissociate. Now, dissociation is when you lose yourself in space and time. And um, so I would be at the office, and she would alert me. And at the time, I was not on um, medication that was able to help with this. And so if I, if I didn't have someone to call to come pick me up, I would be stuck at the office for hours until the dissociation event passed because I couldn't process my environment. So I trained her to lead me from the office to the train station, get me on the right train, get me off at the right stop and lead me back to my house. So that's something that a lot of you guys are probably pretty familiar with your dogs doing, and it's something that can be used for people with other disabilities as well. Um, Let's see, is there anything else I was gonna cover? Oh yes, my favorite, absolute favorite, I don't know how I could forget it, type of thing that uh, a psychiatric service dog can help with is something called hallucination discernment. And this is for people who have hallucinations, like people with schizophrenia, and I have a friend with schizophrenia, and she often hallucinates dangerous people. And so when she walks into a room, she doesn't know who are the real people in the room and who are the hallucinating, hallucinations in the room. And so she has trained her dog whenever she walks into a room. Her dog, a beautiful German shepherd, uh, indicates with their nose, they point with their nose at all of the individuals in the room. And so she just looks down at her dog's head, and watches her dog indicate who's in the room is real. And then she knows, okay, that guy in the corner with a knife, my dog didn't nod at him. He's not real, which is just absolutely life-changing. If you can imagine, you couldn't leave your house before because you couldn't tell who was dangerous and who was you know, hallucination, now she can go anywhere and do anything she wants, and all she has to do is look down at her dog every time she goes somewhere, and her dog's able to tell her, oh, that's real, that's not real. So I will pass the mic. Oh, go ahead. Oh, yes. Um... So before I started using a service dog, um, I had severe uh, issues leaving the house. So as an example, um, when I would go to the grocery store with Brad, I would hold on to his shirt, I would look at the floor, and I would just follow him. And I was not able to look at anything in the store. I couldn't read any labels, which is important because I'm allergic to a lot of things. Um, I couldn't participate in the grocery shopping experience, same thing in any other store, I would just hold on to Brad and look at my feet and shuffle along in the store as best I could. Um, And at the beginning, when I started using a service dog, Brad actually wasn't very supportive. He was kind of like, why do you need a service dog? I'm here to help you. Um, And so as we were in the grocery stores more and more with my service dog, suddenly I started being able to look up. I started being able to go to the end of the aisle. Sometimes I was even able to go to the next aisle over. My second service dog, Ollie, I trained to find Brad in the store, so I was able to go anywhere in the store. And um, and if I had an issue, I could just ask Ollie to find Brad. He would lead me right to Brad. And I I was fine. So it's really amazing. Nowadays with Hestia, she's um, been my third service dog and my favorite service dog. And she has done the most for me. And um, nowadays, after not being able to drive um, for over a decade, I'm able to drive by myself, go to the grocery store by myself, shop with a list, manage a cart, pay money, which is something that I was never able to do my whole entire life. So um, psychiatric service dogs and other types of service dogs are able to do so much to help people with other types of disabilities.
0: Speaking of assistance dogs, here's an article that my guide dog Frankie wrote. He figured that if humans could offer a Frank assessment, he could write a Frankie assessment.
2: A Frankie Assessment of Service Dog Training My name is Frankie Wilkins My mom's name is Devon and I'm her fourth guide dog In June of 2018, mom's friend Gwen went to the Lions Foundation of Canada Dog Guide Training Center in Oakville, Ontario to train with her third service dog Mom was her caregiver just as she was when Aunt Gwen trained with Faust eight years ago Day 1 We arrived at the school on the Monday afternoon In the evening we met the other students and got an orientation to the center Day 2 At 9 in the morning, serious training began with a training game. Student took turns playing the role of first the trainer and then the dog. The purpose of the game was to show how well dogs respond to positive enforcement as opposed to negative input. They were also introduced to the collar, the leash, and the halti equipment that they will be using when they get their dogs. In the afternoon, the students learned the commands heel, sit down, and behind. Later, they practiced short routes first with trainers playing the role of dogs and then with real dogs. They finished the day by discussing the value of different rewards all the way from a pad on the add to a toy with a treat inside. Day 3. When we gathered this morning, everyone in the class received dogs to practice with. Next came a discussion of how to leave their new dogs. After lunch, the class discussed both treats and treat pouches, as well as the various types of crates. Then, just before the afternoon break, the students were told that at 3 p.m. they should put the leashes and collars they had received before lunch on the outside of their room doors and leave their doors unlocked. Mom was asked to put me on the leash. Shortly after the appointed hour, there was a knock at the door and in walked the yellow lab golden cross female named Persia and it was love at first sight, even if it wasn't the black male lap that Aunt Gwen wanted. Just before supper, the dogs were taken back to their kennels with the promise that they would be back for good tomorrow morning. Day 4. As promised, the students' new dogs returned and the class learned the command come. The students were advised to reward their dogs handsomely in order to ensure that their dogs would be reliable. The class spent the rest of that day practicing come, as well as all the commands that they had learned previously. Day 5. The new command for today was stay. The trainers emphasized that stay should only be used when the students plan to return to their dogs within the next minute or two. Here again, the students were advised to reward handsomely in order to increase reliability from their dogs. Day 6. Mom and I weren't actually in the classroom today because Mom was laid up with a back spasm, but we could hear the students enticing their dogs to push. The dogs were practicing pushing buttons in order to open the automatic doors. Day 7. Today was a day off because it was Sunday. Day 8. Following the planned fire drill, the class learned the command tugs. Each of the cupboard doors have ties on them which they used to pull the doors open. In the evening, each dog was allowed to be off leash for 15 minutes. Day 9. The class began the day by learning the command nudge, which used to be a push. The students did a circuit of closing cupboard doors, as well as doors for the fridge and the dryer. Then came a walk to Starbucks, but Mom and I didn't go. At one point during the afternoon, the dogs practiced barking for help. Everyone did very well. After supper, each team had individual playtime for 15 minutes. They were able to spend the night out of their kennels, and Persia was very good, even when I barked because something startled me. Day 10. Before our special guest joined us, we had a talk about introducing dogs to pets already in the home. The students were instructed not to force the animals to become friends. If the dog insists on bothering the cat, for example, the cat will gain the dog's respect by swatting it. The students were advised not to try to introduce their dogs to other pets such as rodents, reptiles, or birds. In the case of other dogs, students should introduce them in a neutral area such as outside. We were then joined by Cheddar, a small bronze-colored cat from the puppy training facility in Breslau. The students were encouraged to offer their dogs higher value treats when introducing them to pet cats. This afternoon, the teams learned the command fetch. The dogs did very well with fetching two cases for glasses and an old cell phone. Tomorrow morning, both individual and class pictures will be taken. Day 11 Just prior to lunch, the class discussed both fundraising and what is and isn't an emergency. After lunch, the class met for a visit to Fortino's and Baskin Robbins. From what I hear, the dogs didn't get a share in the ice cream that was consumed. Day 12. This morning, the class was instructed to string skills together such as tugs, fetch, and nudge. Later, each team went to the lounge. The students were instructed to hide and then call so that the dog could practice finding them. This afternoon, we went to Pet Value where the trainers showed us which bones, congs, etc. are safest and which to avoid. Day 13. This morning, the class practiced fetching from a distance. The trainers told the students that they could ask their dogs to fetch named items such as pens, keys, phones, etc. from distances starting with a couple of feet and increasing by degrees from there, all depending on the dog's level of comfort. They also worked on the command go get, where the dogs can be trained to actually seek out a named person, nuzzle that person, and bring that person back to its handler. The class also practiced take it and go give, where the handler asks the dog to take an article and give it to a named person. The teams were encouraged to practice that exercise at increasing distances. With regard to the command tugs, the students were advised that they could ask their dogs to help with removing such articles of clothing as jackets, mittens, and socks. The day ended with a walk to the park where they practiced some more fetching. Day 14 The class traveled to Oakville Place Mall by public transit. There, they practiced using elevators and walking through the mall. We had lunch in the food court, paid for by dog guides of Canada. On our return to the center, the class practiced clapping to see how the dogs would react after dinner. The class, minus the trainers, got together to write a brief speech which will be read at tomorrow night's graduation. The student chosen to give the speech had originally planned to just wing it as he put it, but it had to be submitted in writing so that members of the hearing dog program can read what is being said. Day 15. The last day of training was a day for tying up loose ends. Each student was asked which skill they would like to practice. When the class had been advised as to how that evening would unfold, the students were encouraged to go for a walk of some kind. And Gwen, Persia, Mom and I went to the park, but we didn't stay long because it was beginning to rain. That evening, students from the service dog program, the hearing dog program, the guide dog program, the seizure response dog program, and the diabetic alert dog program all received their graduation packages. Tomorrow morning at Gwen, Mom, and I will be headed home with Persia.
0: Well, as usual, our time together goes by much too quickly, and it's just about time to bring this half hour to a close. I do want to thank you for listening, though, and I do hope that you'll be with us again on the third Friday of February, which is the 21st. Here is Ray Stevens to take us out by telling us all about his dog named Fred.
3: Well, Fred was a dog I used to own. He used to answer the telephone, and every now and then he'd take the truck into town for groceries. Yeah, Fred and I got along real well At the checkerboard. old Fred was held And he never minded taking turns at doing the dishes Now when Fred was just about three years old He started acting kind of bold And he's chasing after that beacon down across the highway Well, he's down there every day and night And I said, Fred, you know you're gonna have to fight And he said, well, I've already whipped everything Between here and the railroad road. Fred! You are a good dog But the women got you running wild and crazy as a loon Fred, you are a good dog But you're chasing cars, hanging out at bars and howling at the moon Well, now one night old Fred came straggling in He's looking bad, but he's sporting a grin He says, Mona just took a wife and I want you to meet her well, now she didn't have very much to say. It is plain to see she's in a family way. And she said, Fred, you better whip on back and get my suitcase. Well, Fred never made it to the other side, Was right in the middle of the road. He died, flattened by a trucker, hauling, dog food. Now old Fred's gone, she's living here, just yapping at her kids and drinking my beer. And she won't drive the truck nor do the dishes. Fred. You were a good dog But you never knew when to chase him When to turn around and run Yeah, Fred You were a good dog And now you're flat out on the freeway And drying in the sun You know, Fred's gone And I'm kind of glad Cause if he were here now He'd sure be mad Cause ain't one of them pups Looks anything like him Yeah, Fred you were a good dog, but you never knew when to chase him and when to turn around and run. Poor oh, Fred, you were a good dog, but now you're flat out on the freeway and drying in the sun, flat out on the freeway and drying in the sun.